April 11, 2019, it's a lot from Pedro Show.
Watt from Pedro Show. Hey, brother Matt. Yeah, Happy Thursday to you. Yes, welcome back. And how's uh, been since I last saw you? Everything's good. No complaints. Getting healthier every day. Yeah, that's happening. And uh, the rain has let off on us. Yeah, it's still a little chilly, windy. Little big wind. Big wind was cool. We had big wind yesterday, yeah, right? Yeah. I was down at uh, White Point, Royal Palm, and my chair's still knocked over. These dudes snapping pictures and getting swamped. Watch out. <laughs> Selfie. <laughs> yeah, you get sprayed that. just being down there. Yeah, yeah. Now, a little, little spray, a little mm. foam. That's happening. Look, we started the show off with John Coltrane doing It's Easy to Remember. And uh, then a tune from our guest for this week, brother. Yeah, Matt. hello. Welcome aboard, Nina Diaz. Welcome. Hi. Hold up. And, uh, and a tune called It from uh, uh, the, the Beat is Dead album of yours. Uh, yeah. When did you do that? I did that album at the Three years now? Three years. Are you in a practice pad? I hear like a live drum set. Yeah, so like there's there's some drum machines and then there's live drum. My drummer, Juan Gonzalez, played... Um, no, I'm um, talking about right now while I'm hearing you talk because I can hear some uh, resonance. Are you a drum? There's no drums going on here. Okay, okay, then I'm wrong. Because sometimes I do the spiels in my prac pad and you can hear... Maybe because I got a bigger windbag of a voice because you can hear woo, woo, woo coming off the drum. Okay, I didn't mean to say that your record had drummers or, or drum machine. To me, it's all valid, you know, whatever comes out the speed. Are you speakers. talking about my album or in real life right now? Like, I thought you were saying if I'm playing drums right now. Where I'm well, I'm not saying you're playing, but are you in a room that's got a drum set? Right now, this very moment? Yeah. Oh, um, no, no, the drums are at the, at the theater. But there is some, uh, then you got very bare walls or something. Right? <laughs> yeah, actually, I have you in my closet areas where I have my studio, in-room in studio set, so maybe that's the reason. That's where it is, because I hear this woo, woo, woo. Usually you could kill that with, like, foam rubber. I'd had I'd treat my little uh, studio thunder pants pad. But anyway, uh, Nina, me and brother, I'm out of curious, what's your earliest musical recollection? Me? Yeah, you. You're yeah. the guest. I'm sorry. I thought I, thought I heard you say brother. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, because no. brother Matt is with That's me right me. here. Oh, oh. There's I two of us. There's Dos Hermanos, huh? My earliest musical. So I grew up, listening. my mom listened to vinyls all the time growing up. My mom would do that classic hanging out on Friday nights. You know, the Monday, working Monday through Friday, their weekends, their weekends. So they listened to some vinyls. I grew up listening to the Beatles, Billy Holiday. Uh, Renee, Renee, of course, Selena. You know, she's a Texas artist. She's from, she's from Corpus. And then on the side, though, I'm the youngest of three. So my older sister showed me grunge music. So I grew up listening to Nirvana, Stone Temple Pilots, Soundgarden. And then I got into Radiohead and Travis, Bjork, Jeff Buckley. Uh, later on, I uh, got into T-Rex a lot. David Bowie, of course. Ha, the first concert I ever saw was T-Rex. Yeah, that's I was cool. 14 years old. Look, look, I want to go way back, okay? So the first memories you got is hearing what your mom was listening to. What town was that? I grew up in, I'm from San Antonio, Texas. San Antonio, yeah. yeah. Army yeah. town. <laughs> there was yeah. a club there I used to play all the time called Taco Land. It was great. Yeah, man, yeah. Uh, Ram, unfortunately, the Very sad, Ram. Yeah. A while back, yeah. Very sad, very sad. I never played there again because of that until a couple of years ago. Jeff Smith brought me back to San Antonio and had a good gig, but that hurt me so bad when I learned about that. Anyway, okay, uh, in the house, did your mother, she was just listening, did she do any playing or singing? 
She's dead. I mean, she's really shy, though. You know, she's staying at home, and she wanted to be a singer, but she was so shy. And when she had my sister, she was 19, and uh, she wanted to be a lawyer. You know, she grew up in a small, small town called Rundy, Texas, and her big move was moving to San Antonio. And my mom um, inevitably was is an only child because she had two siblings that passed away really young. So uh, my mom was kind of on her own with her parents. But she always loved entertainment. She always loved music. You know, she... I'm curious, in the pad there, was there musical instruments? Well, my grandfather played music. Okay. Uh, my grandfather, I don't ever really remember there being a guitar around um, when he was older, but since my sister started playing really young, there was a guitar for me to jam out on when I was like seven, eight years old just to pick up. Yeah, acoustic, but, acoustic guitar, right? Acoustic and electric, yes. Oh, really? Electric, too? So was there an amplifier? Yeah, yeah. She had her little, like, just like a little Fender combo. Just a okay, little okay. So your sister was playing. Uh, when did she start? Was she young? Yeah, she, there's an eight-year difference between us. I'm, I'm, I just turned 31 this year. Okay. Uh, she's going to be 39. That's crazy. Uh, <laughs> that, she, that happens, believe <laughs> I called her out. Uh, but uh, she... Um, she started when she was about 13, 13, 14. So, yeah. So she turns you on, she showed you some chords and stuff? Yeah, she taught me the power chords. Because I, I, I learned music by ear. Yeah, I, sure, I sure. I didn't know how to write out. Uh, well, what, what about in school? Were you part of well, choir or the marching band or stuff like I, that? I was in choir in elementary and uh, didn't do it in middle school and a little bit in high school. But that's about all the teaching I had. Okay, so the big the big influence was your sister. Yeah, definitely. My what's her What's her name? We should know her name. Her name Bonnie Bonnie Diaz. Bonnie, she, thank you so much for teaching Nina. Uh, so, uh, do you remember? Uh, what, what I'm curious. What was the first record that you bought for yourself? The first record actually was uh, the Offspring. <laughs> Sure, Orange County, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I got that. But, like, the first cassette tape I remember was having Ren and Stimpy's Happy, Happy, Joy, Joy. Like, I vividly remember that one. Was that Ren and Stimpy? <laughs> was that that uh, comic? Brother yeah, Mark? cartoon. Yeah, yeah, the chihuahua and the cat. I think it was out. a Dutch dude, right, who drew that stuff. I think so. Okay. Ren and Stimpy were cool. It was pretty graphic stuff, now that I look back at yeah, it. Yeah, Lisa <laughs> Rowland was a big fan. She knew all the... There's like quotes, right? Like happy, happy, joy, joy is one of them, right? Oh yeah. Uh, so, so what was the first gig that you went to to see somebody play? Uh, actually, the first gig I went to was my own gig. Whoa! I was, yeah, because I was 13 um, when I started playing live with a Girl in a Coma, and I hadn't really been to I hadn't been to any shows yet. Now, how, did, how did how did Girl in a Coma come about? It's a good name for a band. <laughs> yeah, we got it from a Smith song, Girlfriend in a Coma, because there's was huge Morrissey fans. And it started with Jen and Fonny. And Fonny's my sister, the one I was just talking about earlier. Right. Uh, they were trying to start a band around this time when I was 13 years old. And I had really started jamming guitar after my sister taught me power chords. And I've just spent hours alone in my garage just kind of learning songs off the radio. And yeah. they were trying out different singers and I wasn't necessarily trying to be in their band I really just wanted their opinion on what because I was already writing songs at 13 years old and I just wanted their opinion on, on the song I wrote so I remember one day before they were about to go out I asked them can you listen to the song that I wrote and they listened to it 
and they couldn't believe that I loved it. They thought it was somebody else's song. And at that point, they just thought, hey, let's just all start a band together. So we became Girl in a Coma. And that was like 19 years ago now. Wow. Can you remember the first song you wrote? I remember the second song I wrote, actually. The second song was called Stolen. don't remember the first one, but the second song I wrote was about rape, which is very intense, you know, because... Sure. I find that a lot of young, especially female writers, write the most graphic, vivid things yeah. that should definitely be encouraged, but then also maybe have a little, um, you know, a little uh, catch up with them behind the scenes just to see how everything's going. But I've, I've done some uh, workshops with some young writers, and it's pretty powerful stuff. But yeah, the second, the second song I ever wrote was called Stolen. I, I still remember the first one. I wish that I did. Now, <laughs> did that second one you play at that gig you did with your sister? Oh, yeah, definitely. Okay. Yeah, that was, we became Girl in a Coma, and then within less than a year, because I know our first show was a, a week before my 14th birthday at a club called Synthic. Nina, how were you playing clubs? Because there's a liquor. I but then also, you know, uh, they're pretty lenient where, of course, I had the big X's on my hands. And, yeah, yeah, sure. Okay, you know. okay. Because that, that is kind of young. Uh, girl in Coma. What was the lineup? Two guitars and a drum? Uh, yeah, guitar, bass, drum. Oh, there yeah. was a bass. Who was on the bass? Jen Alva. Okay. Yeah. And what, your other sister did the drums? Yeah, she did the drums. Yeah, so Bonnie, she, her first instrument was guitar, uh, rock instrument. I mean, she played in band when she was in high school and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, but her first, like rock and roll instrument with guitar and then when we were becoming girl in a coma we had a hard time finding a drummer sure. and her father played drums back in the day we have different dads and yeah. and it just actually came to her that she could get behind the set and have that rhythm so then she became a drummer and so just, we tried different guitar players throughout the year to have like that that extra level there but us three was just always us three for the longest time. Yeah, more room in the van, too. <laughs> yeah, and then other things started taking up that space, but, you know. <laughs> Look, I want to play a trick candle. Cool. Okay, here we go.
spread the money round They could put it where it counts Instead of tearing us apart Leave a trail of broken hearts You all should give a damn Break the walls where you can There's an evil upon us Say the demon's name
Wofford Pedro show, we heard uh, Nina Diaz doing Trick Candle. And then uh, Marco Sorato and Francesco Cavarino with uh, Mozico. Uh, th this is from uh, Sevilla, Spain, and uh, Francesco's an Italiano drummer. Marco, stand up. Well, he can play all kinds of bass, but he loves improv stand up. Then from Canada, we had Red Mass doing Us versus Them. Uh, Blood Quartet out of Barcelona doing Until My Darkness Goes. And then Nina Diaz again with Young Man. Yeah. I, just, I just love that title because uh, I was looking at tour options and it was looking like Mike Watt, the younger man. <laughs> I think only the, the batteria will be a young man. <laughs> Another guy closer to my age will be still be on guitar. <laughs> love Tom Watson. Uh, but let's, let's get back. Brother Matt said something. We were off air, but he brought up a brilliant observation that it was not balls out, but ovaries out, that you went and did a gig without ever seeing a gig. Yeah. Yeah, because I guess the, the, the energy that Jen and Fani would bring home with them when they were in bands, when they were teenagers, and I was little, kind of watching them come home, I, I feel like they brought that energy already with them home with the angst that they had, you know, because when they were in, in their teens, they were more in punk bands, like straight up punk bands. And sure. then in their early 20s, that's when they decided to start music again after going through their rave scene. <laughs> they went through their raver scene. So I guess them, like how the youth does that, you don't necessarily have to be at the show. It's the energy that, that's around them that can walk into a room and you can just smell the sweat and the, the, the liveliness that they were just at. So I think because I grew up with that, it wasn't so freaky for me to not have seen a show yet. I mean, of course I've watched movies and stuff where they have their versions, like watching Selena, watching to see what it looks like of, on, on film of a, a live show. So it just seems pretty natural when I did have my first show. Granted, I was very shy, you know, a shy person being the front singer and, and a lead guitarist and rhythm. I was <laughs> and all time. you know is like, you know, jump into it. I had to do this charity thing one time, brother man, with Mike D. It was like celebrity golfing. Huh. I'd never golfed in my fucking life. And all, it's hard, people. I was hitting grounders. And here Mike D is fucking kicking ass. Getting on the, you know, with the, what's it called? The first one. Teeing off? Yeah, but that first yeah. fucking blow, you get it up there. It's the big power drive. Right? He gets up uh, on the green all, and he, you know, I said, you grew up in, in Manhattan. Where did you, you know, prac? And he said, video game. Oh, wow. Remember the little yeah, ball? Yeah. It's time to learn the shit. And so maybe you could do that. You can absorb it. <laughs> Watch yeah, it. It is, it is visualization before the actual action with a lot of things. When you visualize it, and then when it comes to actually doing it, it's almost as if you've done it when you've played it over in your mind so many times. So okay. I think that's kind of what happened with me. And again, like I was shy, cross-eyed looking at the microphone, not really moving at all. But then as I played more and more, more shows, I mean, actually my second show on my birthday birthday, when I turned 14, my guitar straight up fell off of me because I didn't realize I needed guitar straps. You, know, like, you were playing with no strap? Well, I had a strap, but not like the strap like to to make it stay strap locks, you know? Oh, had, oh okay. Yeah, yeah, my bad, my bad. Yeah, I had a guitar strap, and yeah, it was just floating on me. No, I because I played with a cat, a name, I think his name was, uh, 
Oh God, I can't fit. But he was from Terracina, not Roma, but close. But don't ever, don't let them know that. But this guy, an incredible guitarist, but he played with no strap. He used a chair. He put his foot up on the well, chair and like hold it up there. Yeah, and then he played the whole gig with no strap, so he's constantly having to move to get this yeah. thing kind of propped up. Wow. That was Matteo or something. His name, incredible guitarist, but like straps was a sign of like. Uh, yeah, Weakness, not really. Uh, bad. Yeah. <laughs> so, strap lock. Now, I had those problems. I had a problem with actually the screws coming out of the box. I, you know, I put a big ass screw mm-hmm. when the Stooges lost all their shit. I mean, this must have been a four or five inch screw. And in LA Blues, where I fucked the app and shit, uh, it came out. I huh, couldn't believe it. Wow. How could it come out? But then, when all the shit gets stole that night, I figured, man, she, she was. The bass was telling me, so you got to let me go, Watt. Mm. No, so sometimes, yeah. yeah. But you know what? Somebody else might be playing. I, I'm not too attached. So, yeah. so many people gave me basses. Adam Yauk gave me a bass right after that. Uh, this guy uh, up in Constableville, New York. Mm. Andy. I call it the Andy bass. Oh, yeah. He's got from San Diego, the Dan bass, <laughs> right? Uh, Gibson wanted to make me one. No, thank you. Thank uh. you very much. <laughs> so, you know what I mean? I didn't want to get uh, too attached that way, but... Just you going out and learning by doing, to me, that's the punk then. Punk to me isn't a style of music. It's more of a state of mind. Now, your sisters, they went through the rave rave, uh, portion of their life. Does that mean dancing? Yeah, you know, with the big pants. The big pacifiers. (laughs) Plur. (laughs) <laughs> Peace, love, unity, respect. <laughs> so that's a little different than operating a machine. Yeah, but at the, in the, at the end of the day, it's still music, right? It's still expression. Oh, yeah, it's, it's, it's all like even now, like in my in my solo music, I can't help but be inspired by all types of music. But of course, punk music, rock, punk rock is what's number one, and it's like my default setting. Like that's like my always me. You know, but everything else, I, I feel like I could just flow easily because when it comes down to it, it's respect. You know, you don't necessarily have to jam it all the time, but it's the respect of, of anybody putting themselves out there. And if they can make the groove, that's cool too. Okay, so Girl in a Coma goes how long? Well, we actually just officially ended uh, this year. Oh, shit. Last- okay, so it was yeah. you, 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 you had it going like parallel with your other stuff. Yeah, yeah, I... So, starting when I was 13, of course, being surrounded by older people my whole life. And, I mean, now when I meet 13-year-olds, 14-year-olds, I, I can't imagine putting them in front of a band. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, I mean, I, I, there's some pretty wise, you know, teens out there. But, sure. <laughs> like, dang, the things that I kind of went through. And then uh, we got signed when I was 17 to John Jett's record label. And we released, like, four records there. We did some tours. We opened up for Morrissey, opened up for Keegan and Sarah. We went overseas. And during all of this, I started to have uh, addiction issues, which kind of naturally come hand in hand with this lifestyle sometimes, you know? So I heard about that. Yeah, man. Addictions, when I finally went sober, like, officially sober, which has been six years now that I've been sober, I decided to do my own solo music because I felt like I just needed to break away from going to coma. In a way, me doing my solo music was kind of me going off to college. You know, something I, I needed to get away from home base. 
Yeah, I, I wanted to ask you about that. While you were doing this music, I mean, you started in junior high, right? Yeah, yeah, I was in the, yeah. I was in were, the, were you still going to school while you're doing all this touring and stuff? I was, I was. I officially, I did drop out my junior year um, before we went to a fly overseas to record with Bob Brewer, who's Morrissey's guitar uh, player and musical director. So I remember uh, dropping out during Christmas, before Christmas vacation, and I thought, well, I, there's no point in me coming back now. You know, like I kind of, I know what I want to do with my life, and I've made my friends that, you know, you make those one or two friends in high school that you stay friends with forever. Sure, and I, sure. made, I made those friends already, and it was already getting to a point where I was kind of starting to get picked on a little bit from, um, not necessarily the students, but from teachers. You know, kind of like giving me the whole, oh, rock star couldn't finish their homework, or rock star couldn't, like, just, they thought they were being cute, but, you know, it was just starting to get annoying. You look, I kind of understand, even though it was a little while before you, I had problems with some teachers. You know, yeah. I had to hide the whole punk thing from people, but worst was some, and this was in college, I had to go to one guy's office and say, what the fuck is up with you? <laughs> you know, and it was weird, you know? Yeah. But it was out. He is out of line. I mean, this yeah. is just something I, I do, not you know, not on here. I hide it. I don't like. And then you put it out there, and you you get some kind of lynch mob around me because I like people with funny names who yeah. make up their own clothes. <laughs> <laughs> you, I, I couldn't believe this shit. So I empathize. You know, teacher. Look, both my sisters are teachers, and it's a hard job, but you can really blow it. By Brother Matt, Teacher of the Year, many times, you know, he just retired. There's ways of being very positive things yeah. in people's lives. And then you go on and take advantage of your position to be an asshole like that. Yeah. I'm so sorry, Nina. But, yeah. you know, sometimes, you know, if a farmer would tell you, if you want a good crop, use a lot of manure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So maybe bring. Okay, so... You think the girl in the coma, just being in that situation, wasn't healthy? Yeah, definitely. You know, I, I'm starting to be more uh, vocal about what I went through in there. And it's like, it was a, a toxic environment at times. You know, just with any band can be when you're together for so long, but you add into the mix that you're related, that it's like you're still getting away from them. <laughs> <laughs> It's like you want to have time with your mom, but then there's your sister. It's like, I don't want to see you for a, a long time. <laughs> Thanksgiving. <laughs> yeah, even at that. Sometimes yeah. you have a fight. Every other Thanksgiving. <laughs> yeah, no, for real. Like, it was just like clockwork. Anytime it was a celebration or something, like, oh, here comes another fight. <laughs> <laughs> the chingazos. <laughs> no, for real. I'm like, oh. No, I believe. Gonna... I believe. <laughs> I believe. Because you know what? You pick your friends. <laughs> Yeah. You don't pick the people that you're related to. Yeah. It's like the fucking true test. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so to, to to break, you know, get into your, even though you you were the front lady, you weren't really running the band. So when when you went over to be, uh, oh, I, mean, I was running the band though too. That's you the were. Thing. I was writing all the music. Okay, right, music. right. But were you making really the power decisions? At the end of the day. I was, okay. you know, because even at the time, 
it was like this double-edged sword, man. Because even at the times when I was, it's almost like I was given this idea of having control, but then I was also being controlled in a lot of different ways. Yeah. When it came to my own personal life. And granted, I had my addiction issues and it was pretty scary. But there were some times when I was using when nobody wanted to stop working. Even though I was obviously not doing too well. Yeah. You know, that's where I kind of still have that lingering, well, if you really wanted to help me, why didn't you help me? Kind of thing. When at the end of it, I kind of had to break away. And by breaking away, even when I got sober, I still managed to piss people off. It's like, I, one way or the other, I'm going to piss somebody off. So I might as well do exactly what I want to do. And at that time, what I really wanted to do was just to get healthy. But when it came to the music, I always had the, the lead with that when it came to writing it and, and directing them. You know, we jam it together to make it the sound in the end, but I had a, I was pretty much the musical director for Girl in a Coma too, I was writing the lyrics. So it wasn't that hard for me to cross over into my solo music because I was already starting to really write all the bass and the drums. So, so what was the first thing you did? You had to get a new band together, right? So you had, what did you do auditions? You tried people out? Well, the thing is, is I, I wrote everything myself on, on my solo record. Yeah. I started writing it all on my garage band. And yeah. then I just worked with some studio musicians to lay it down. And in the beginning, it was David Garza, who's one of my muses. He's, um, he lives here in Los Angeles, but he's originally from El Paso. Okay. He was in Austin for a while, and uh, he's amazing. He's done a lot of work with Fiona Apple. Like He's, just, he's super awesome. He's been there for me a lot. And um, he's also on my label right now, Cosmico Records. I worked with him, Manny Gambaron was my producer, and he actually did some engineering work on some Girl in a Coma records um, before. Ah, so there was some, uh, then... there's some crossover. But what I'm, I'm wondering about yeah, the yeah, process. I... So you made uh, like demos on the Garage Band, and then you, you presented yeah. to these cats, hey, who would be good to play on this? Hey, would you engineer on this? We have a connect from the old days. Yeah, exactly. And it was a pretty smooth transition. You did, know, you, did you do it there? Uh, what studio did you use? We went to Antonio. We went to Sonic Ranch Studios. Okay. Uh, yeah, I've been, because again, I recorded there with Rona Como before. So it was somewhat familiar. So I wasn't too off the deep end. So I could still kind of find my footing with some kind of security. And um, we kept it very minimal as far as the people in the studio. And when it came to studio work, that's yeah. where I thrive as well. Because even with Rona Como, it would always end up being me there in the end, doing all the overdubs and everything. So I can kind of be, um, I've learned to relax more and not be so stubborn. <laughs> but, you know, like I, I can have a little, uh, be a little bit of a control freak at times. But now again, I feel like I've, I've continued to get better and listen to it, you know. Well, it, no, seems, it seems you kind of calmed it down if you asked for a producer to be involved. Because a real yeah. control freak would be the producer, right? Yeah, exactly. And then even at that, having Manny be the, the producer, he was somebody that I could feel like would genuinely listen to me already. So it wasn't like a complete stranger. Sure, so in sure. some ways, it did feel like I have control over this in some way because I know him, you know, as opposed to somebody I just don't know. But it was a, a, fun, um, a fun security blanket in a way, you know, where it wasn't like, I might as well get him. I knew he was already badass. I knew he was starting to branch out producing himself. Might as well let's try this out together kind of thing, you know. 
So um, it felt very organic. Uh, I had little breakdowns in between in there where, you know, when you're doing something new, you second guess yourself a lot. But I had some good support in there. And Bato was my drummer. He drums for Ximena, uh, um, uh, an artist from Mexico. And, uh, you know, we were only going to do like five songs. You know, granted, I had like about 12, 13 songs. We were only going to do five. And they just knocked them out so fast within like, Two days that we're like, well, let's just keep going. And then yeah, I was going to ask you, how long did it take all together? Uh, but we were in there for like two weeks. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Very productive. And then, of course, you did overdubs after. Well, in there we did a um, recording and overdubs, and oh, then wow. okay. I went back to do some more mixing, which took like another week. So in all the album itself, maybe just took like about a month, and then. Uh, and I'm, cause I'm used to working under pressure too, cause with Blackheart, they'd say, hey, we need this record done. We'd only have X amount of time in the studio. So we were kind of, I'm used to being, all right, here we go. You know, <laughs> just get done, I get moved on, you know. So, and then I did end up going back to Sonic Ranch, cause after I had my studio musician, then it came to find my musicians to play live. Right, uh, at a gigging band. Yeah, exactly. So I knew I wanted to get San Antonio based musicians. Not only because of the convenience of them being closed, yeah. because at this time I was living in San Antonio, but because I wanted to give some other artists there a chance to kind of branch out. Yeah, absolutely. Watch. That's very kind of you. Did, uh, uh, Nina, did you get to meet Joan yet? Oh, yeah, yeah. Do you know yeah. she produced the Germs album? Yeah, man. I saw. I just watched What We Do in Secret the other day. You saw that? I'm afraid to see that movie because I love the germs so much. I love Pat and Don and Lorna. Yeah, you know, you know we lost Lorna earlier this year. I saw that. Yeah. Terrible. Yeah. She's the kindest I, I, lady in the world. Yeah. Except on bass. <laughs> she yeah, was pretty. Yeah. yeah uh, Kay once told me she went to a. She was sharing amps with her. She's playing with Sexic and uh, opening up for the germs. And she looked over at Lorna's amp. And the way she, Lorna set the dials on her amp, everything up to, all the way, like every control, mid-range, treble, bass, whatever, they're all on full. <laughs> She's just the best. So uh, there's a really good sound that Joan Jett got. And she got them to play so tight. And, oh, wow. So, yeah. so And she dug what you were doing, huh? Okay. Yeah, with that. But she knows from the old days too. She comes from Kim Fowley. Talk about nightmare days. <laughs> but yeah. where you had to learn how to record quick, yeah, and get it done. Yeah, she. There was definitely some common ground that. And uh, what, what did she see at a gig? How did that connect happen? So with that, when I was about seventeen, we were in San Antonio, and there's this um show that was going to be a, a pilot episode of the show based in Los, that, that the company was in Los Angeles. Yeah. The producers of this show called Jammin, uh were, they used to live in San Antonio. And so they were asking their friends, because they're in LA, they used to live in San Antonio. They're asking their friends in San Antonio, who's the next up and coming band in San Antonio? Because we're doing this pilot episode where we follow a band, see the struggles, and ultimately they meet like an idol. Ah, they want to tie in their hometown. Yeah, like, and Jim, Jim Yola was one of the producers, and Faith Radel, who's actually my manager to this day, was one of the producers, and um, Jim, and both of them are very San Antonio, Texas pride, you know? Sure, sure. And I still am, too, even though I live here in Los Angeles, I'm always a San Antonio girl, Texas, you know? Okay. But 
So they asked their friends, and they're like, there's this band called Girl in a Coma. At that time, we were Girls in a Coma, I think. I don't know if we did the change over yet. Okay. But so they told uh, them about us, and so they came down to meet us, and they signed us up to do the pilot episode. And in this, they followed us for about, about a month. And um, it's a pretty cute documentary. My grandfather's actually in it. He passed away a while back, so it's oh, nice sorry. to be able to see him in there. You know, it's, it's a sweet little documentary type thing. But in the end, we're supposed to meet um, one of our idols just to give us some words of advice. And it ended up being Joan. And it was going to be like the climax of it, of us playing a show in New York. So they fly us to New York. And we kind of already know we're going to meet Joan Jett. Like, we can just tell what certain questions they're asking us. It's going to be Joan Jett. You know, we can put the pieces together. So we go to this uh, rehearsal space in New York, and everyone's preparing for somebody to come to the room, and we're like, okay, it's going to be Joan. So then Joan walks in with Kenny Laguna, who's, you know, her manager, her bandmate, her everything, too. Right. She's tiny, huh? Yeah, she's about... My height? Yeah, I guess I'm, I'm tiny too. Yeah, we're all tiny. <laughs> okay, you both are. And she, you know what? She used to wear a pacifier, Brother Matt, a little silver when it was a little necklace pendant. Oh, yeah. In the old days. I don't know if she still does, but I saw yeah, the Runaways play. I've seen that in her apartment um, when we stayed at her apartment before. I think I remember seeing a little pacifier in there. Wow. Bitch. <laughs> yeah. Look, we're at the end of the first hour, April 11, 2019 edition of Peter Show. Special guest, Nina Diaz. Hold tight for hour two. Yeah. April 11, 2019, it's the second hour of the Pedro Show.
down in the den The tennis superman And sometimes even their wife And children And nobody likes them And nobody likes them
some folks were meant to live in clover But they are such a chosen few And clover being green Is something I've never seen Cause I was born to be blue When there's a yellow moon above me They say there's moonbeams I should view But moonbeams being gold Are something I can't behold Cause I was born to be blue When I met you The world was bright and sunny When you left The curtain fell I'd like to laugh But there's nothing that strikes me funny Now my world's a faded pastel Well I guess I'm luckier than some folks I've known the thrill of loving you And that alone is more Than I was created for Cause I was born to be blue to laugh but there's nothing strikes me funny now my world's a faded pastel well I guess I'm luckier than some folks I've known the thrill of loving you That alone is more than I was created for Cause I was born to be blue Cause I was born to be blue 
songs I'm just a fool for trying to make you sing along and I'm not a fool for writing melody I'm just a fool for trying to make you see what I see oh yeah you put on your suit and tie Fancy rings Ask me what coffin I'd like And it's the one you picked out for me And I'm not a fool For saying goodbye And all I have Are promises and lies Oh yeah, one day you're gonna walk me down the aisle Me or you, that's in style. Oh, yeah, one day you're gonna walk me down the aisle. Oh, no, 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 whether it's me or you, that's in style. When I lay down on that slab, we see me. Complicate things Don't put too much makeup on me Make sure my eyes are shut tight Don't forget me Oh, I'm not a fool For writing songs I'm just a fool Trying to make you sing along, Dad, I'm not a fool For writing melody I'm just a fool Trying to make you see what I see And all, oh, 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 oh.
Watford Pedro Show. Uh, started off the second hour with Queen Beats King from Nina Diaz. A blurt after that was Stella. Uh, that's Ted Milton in England. Uh, Many Beast, and he sent me his book. Mm. It's called Textbook, but it's, uh, yeah, it's text. It's little poems. Uh. Cool. Very clever man. Yeah, he was puppeteer a long time. Oh, they yeah, got, yeah, remember yeah. that? Yeah, yeah. They got sick of a whole puppet <laughs> world. And his, oh, yeah, and his way of getting in to the punk movement was almost totally everything against what he's experienced in the yeah, puppet. Strings world. attached. <laughs> yeah, it had a <laughs> it had the manure effect on the farmer. <laughs> then we had Mini Beast out of Providence. That's Peter Prescott from. Uh, uh, Mission of Burma with Warm Gear, brand new. Uh, Rabia Sadada out of Milano in Italy. Danza da Telegrafo. A Natural Ways with the Runaway Song. This has got uh, Ava Mendoza, incredible guitar lady. I just did a mini tour with uh, Mike Baguetta, Steve Hodges, and uh, last gig, New York City, last song of the last gig. We did Stooges Funhouse, and Ava came on stage. Oh, wow. Before Four piece and man, she tore it up. Cool, incredible. Uh, she's from Orange County originally, but uh, yeah, I live in New York City now. And people check her out, man. There's this whole wave of interesting guitars. Mike Baguetta, Ava Mendoza. They're they're kind of from the Nels Klein school of let the freak flag mm. fly. You know, I'm into it. Uh, Tab Falco, he's coming here next month. He's got a new album, uh, Born to Be Blue. Is the song? I think it's called. Uh, Cabaret of Daggers. Mm. He's always around. He's, he's doing the second part of his new film, the Urantia uh, uh, or something, Urantia. Uh, but it's not rising now; it's uh, descending. And uh, Mortician's music needed to D- us. Yeah, Mortician's music. I mean, that's a sister there. Yeah, yeah, but but the, it's, <laughs> it's also just an interesting concept. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because <laughs> McNerney's is the old get some organ music, uh, old uh, <laughs> house we got in Pedro, right? Uh-huh. I guess they do some at Green Hills uh-huh. too, where they actually plant them. But mm-hmm. the house is McNerney. In fact, I think the sun drove off the. That's when they put the fence up at uh, Sunken City because accidentally him and his buddy drove a pickup off. The, oh, yeah, Tom. This is a long time ago, <laughs> but I finally went in there. I'd always drive past. Him. Uh-huh. My pool cleaner friend Tone. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Urn, uh, drove me there, and I spoke. You know, I've never been to many of those things, and all in one year, Ronnie, him, and Steve Reed's ma. Mm. Only three I've been to. So I was wondering, what what is to you? What you know? You wrote the song. You don't have to explain it, but if you wanna, you wanna yeah. write this. <laughs> so with more musician, um, my real father is a mortician. Whoa! <laughs> okay. Yeah. So you're the mortician's musician. Yeah. It's like a biographical like, thing. Yeah, it's a funny play on words there. Because he's a mortician and I'm a musician. You know, so that's just being silly about it. But did he ever ask you to get in the business? <laughs> Actually, funny enough, not not me, but more so my brother. Okay. Kind of, it's um, like a man's world. <laughs> funeral <laughs> soundtracks. You can have it. You know. <laughs> Yeah, no shit. <laughs> yeah, I think I want to be burned. I, maybe not in the urn like tone, but I want to be put back in the water. Mm-hmm. So when I they evaporate, I go in the air and Pedro people have to breathe. Uh-huh. This Virginia guy. I like that idea. You like that idea? Some good karma revenge. Okay. Yeah, with my dad, uh, my real dad, I don't, I don't talk to him. Um, 
it's that classic kind of thing where I, my stepfather raised me. He, I see him as my dad. Sure, I've seen that situation a lot. Yeah, man. You know, so with my mortician father, he's a classic. He didn't really pay attention to me and uh, my siblings until uh, there's any success kind of thing. Like, oh, yeah, that's my daughter. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Who was like that? Uh, there's been a few stories that Brian, the Wilson brothers, oh, the Beach yeah, Boys, yeah. had it horrible. Mm. Yeah. His name was Murray. Yeah, so, yeah. He sells all their publishing for $10,000. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I, I keep a good distance from my real father because he has the potential of being a, a really bad person. So okay. you know, yeah. that's why I'm with musician. It's kind of my goodbye to him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes it's maybe better not to ask people what tunes are about. <laughs> so, what was what was the first tune that you recorded for this album? I'm curious. What the what? The first tune that you recorded for the. the... So the first one I did was Trick Candle. Ah, and what was the last one? The last one I did was Down. Down. Okay, and that's the one that I got from a radio broadcast you did. Um, look. It's time right now to bring Brother Matt and Spin Cyclage aboard. Are you into that? Cool. Okay, yeah. hang on. Cool. She is 
sisters and my brother Keep faith When the storm flies in the window Won't at a steady pace When the battle is fought And the victory is won We can all shout together We will overcome Live for the Father and the Son And we make it to the promised land Make it to the promised land. Make it to the promised land.
kick up some glory Pour myself a little bit of heal Jesus ain't treated right And I think I'm gonna fight I get myself together with heal Jesus When my life spins out of control Shake off this world and gain some soul Treating desperation for inspiration Come on, shine it with me now Heal Jesus! Big 
Thank yeah. you so much for bringing forth that spin cyclist. What made you do what you did to us this time? Well, we'll see. We'll see in a roundabout way, even though we haven't talked about it yet. Nina made that happen with Evangeline. Um, so it just kicked into some Los Lobos there to kick that off. And then play one for Hiori. She didn't know that was coming either. Good, uh, from New Jerry Garcia from the Eel River. Because I went to those shows and they were really fun. Okay. <laughs> so, just spur of the moment, you had to improvise like a jazz musician, <laughs> Brother Matt. Much respect to you. Nina. Yeah. There you are. Uh, I got sent two songs, but too late. You are working on new stuff, right? Yeah, I, I think the songs they sent you were Davey, who's doing sound for the production. He recorded our version of Evangeline and Is This uh, All There Is? And they sound awesome, man. Like, it's, it's, it's great to play these versions because Gabby Moreno, who's my label mate, she did the sure. play last year, and she arranged them in a three-piece way. So, I, of course, I, I've listened to Los Lobos growing up, and more so, of course, when they were involved in La Bamba, because I grew up watching La Bamba in, in my house. And so... You mean that movie? Richie. Yeah, yeah, the movie, you know. That yeah, movie. yeah, yeah. So, such so, a, such, I think the cat was was from the valley. I think yeah, man, like he's not too far from where I'm at. He's like maybe twenty minutes away from here. Like we went to go visit his grave the other day. Oh yeah. wow! Okay, yeah. okay. Cool. It was really sad. Uh, yeah, I think that's what the American Pie song. Him and yeah, uh, and Big Bopper and mm-hmm. uh, Buddy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Who's the guy from Lubbock? I'm going to play Lubbock this Buddy next Holly. year. Coming. Buddy Holly, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, I'm, uh, I'm going to get to, I haven't been in West Texas for a while, so I'm going to get to play Lubbock again. Uh, oh. Look, we're at the end of the second hour, April 19th, 2000. <laughs> he raved April on. 11th, 2019. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so sorry. What's going on in the 19th? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just fucked up. <laughs> Numbers sometimes. I know, yeah. <laughs> but hold tight for hour three. <laughs> April 11, 2019, it's the third hour of the Watt for Pedro show. Shut your mouth now, oh, just shut your eyes now, watch 
becomes more and more of a contrast. Fairy tale stuff. The imposed skyline finally melts away. Deserving creatures transform into airships and head towards.
from Pedro Show. It started our third hour with Nina Diaz doing down something live on the radio. I think that was a station out there in Austin, right? Yeah, that was uh, KUTX. Okay. KUTX. Yeah, good job, man. It's hard to sound good on the radio. No net. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Much respect. Know. Now, Howie yeah. Reeve after that, smiling eye patch from his new album. It's called Crack. Ooh. Got a weird name. <laughs> Cracked. Cracked. Something like that. 
Anyway, <laughs> we'll get through it. Uh, Polisi after that from uh, Caviaris. Uh, this uh, made a split album with that um, Arabia Saudara band. That's Italian guys. Don Fran- Francia with uh, Ghost Stories. He handed me this cassette in Beacon, mm-hmm. New York. Yeah, Beacon, I never played there. It's about huh. 70 miles north of New York City. Huh? Pete Seeger lived there. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You mentioned that. And I met uh, John DeFries, yeah. which uh, I hadn't seen from uh, Potown. Uh, what was his band? Agitpop. And it was good to see him again. I am the Polish Army. Uh, this lady from Cleveland. We're going to be talking to her next month, uh, Brother Matt. The, with the Woods. Cleveland. Sarah Shook and the Disarmers with Heal Me. And finally, January 9th by Nina Diaz. Now, it's not April the 19th, but what was n- happened on January 9th? Yeah, that's a long story short. Um, as I mentioned before, I'm six years sober now, but ah. last year of being of using back in uh, 2013, on January 9th, I was having one of my nights, um, seeing shadow people, all that good stuff, you know. <laughs> and uh, I started working on a new tune, and that's the thing, I was a functioning addict. Sure. Too. So, you know, I was working on this new song, and January 9th, 1998, my grandmother passed away. And so this evening, I felt the presence of my grandparents. It was very intense. Because you know when you use, you open up this door even more, like sure. especially the darkness. So I definitely tapped into some darkness, but I feel like my grandparents were trying to give me that light. Yeah, yeah. At the end of the evening, I realized the day it was, so I decided to call the song January 9th. That song, in a way, is kind of like my apology to them for how I treated myself while I was using Yeah. Sure. Well, thanks for them helping you 15 years later. Yeah, man. Wow. And that's kind of songs can be, they can be like diary entries like that. Look, oh, yeah. let's, let's talk about... This this play is going to end Sunday. It's called yeah. Evangeline, the Queen of Make Believe. And uh, yeah, how'd you get involved? Yeah, so Gabby Moreno is my label mate, sure. and she did this play. I'm on Cosmic Records, and, and uh, which they're so badass. Like they took me on with my solo project, and they've been so supportive. And uh, she did this play last year. Teresa Chavez and uh, Rose Portillo are two of the writers, and so is uh, Louis Perez. Um, they wrote this story with a songbook from uh, David Hidalgo and Louis Bennett. Right, Los Lobos, yeah. And, and, and so they arranged it for, for the stage, and they've had different types of, of course, uh, Louis and, and David were a part of, I think, the first time they presented it on stage with their band, with their with different musicians, and it went through different formats, so it finally came to Gabby when she did it last year. She arranged the music in a three-piece uh, formation, so this year, when I made my official move to Los Angeles, we were looking for things for me to kind of get involved with, you know, as I find my footing in here. And um, Gabby has been just doing awesome. She, she's uh, un- unable to do the play this year, so they presented it to me. And luckily, she did most of the work arranging it in a three-piece way, and I just took it and, and kind of just punked it up a little bit more, you know? I couldn't, I couldn't help but add a little bit more of a distortion on top of some things, you know, and uh, <laughs> give it, uh, just even the original songs, of course, have that garage rock sound, man, so sure. I just kind of got back to life a little more, and uh, my drummer is actually my husband, <laughs> Jorge Gonzalez, who, his birthday is January 9th, which I found out later. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, man, it's crazy. So yeah. he came here, uh, he's here for the play, he's in San Antonio, but he's, he's going to be coming out here soon, and, um, and my, my bass player is Jose uh, Rojas, 
who was in a band called The Commons that was also my label mate. So I kind of just formed my band here. I mean, Jorge, of course, I've been working with for a while. But Jorge, this is our first time playing together as a band, as a three-piece. And it's pretty easy for us to jam as a three-piece because Jorge comes from a three-piece background. I come from a three-piece, and so does Jorge. So, so does what? Huh? So does what? Yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I'm into it. I'm into it. And I can, uh, Jose Rojas, much respect, <laughs> Grand Respeto, because, <laughs> yeah, because in a trio, there's some room for the, well, there's room for everybody. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, but what about this idea where you're running, a, 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 well, you're still running a stage, but it's kind of different. It is different, yeah. It's different in a way where, Again, I'm not as much of a control freak as I used to be. You know, I'm more laid back. I can see that. I can compromise. I can communicate. Take direction. Yeah, take direction, most of all. Like, that's the other thing that, you know, at first my ego can't help but come up. Like, all of us have ego in this industry. We have to to a certain level to present what we present. But there's ways of dancing with it. You know, there's ways of playing with it. And Teresa is a really great director. You know, working with her... And the way she explains things, at first, like, I could be like, um, but then I I relax and I realize she's a director. I want to make sure that she's happy with her vision. And I just, I just want to do my best, most of all. You know, I found out that a lot of, you know, the expression trip is about taking turns. Exactly. And and I found out, you know, because they like to promote the idea, if you're the boss, you won the game. But actually, you can't learn everything if you're always the boss. Exactly. You're going to miss out on all kinds of shit. Yeah, yeah, and Teresa's been really great. It's, it's, I I just have so much respect for any woman, you know, in, in a lead role or any, and the whole crew is pretty much women, you know, and I can't help but feel that 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 feminist energy, you know, like, because starting off so young and being an awful girl band, we didn't ask to be representing Latinas or to represent women. We were, we're just musicians having fun, you know, but these other roles kind of took on. And sure. now I see them and I embrace them. So whenever I am in a position where there's a woman director or, or anybody like that, like, I'm all ears. You know, and males, too. But you can tell sometimes you can smell it so much faster with a male. Where it's like, all right, man. Like, you're just, uh, you're out for something else, aren't you? You know, <laughs> and you just protect yourself and you do your job. You know, like, you show your professionalism. And here it's nothing but professionalism and it's, really great creative flow and the cast is amazing like you could feel this is my first time being in theater yeah. you know i'm to being on stage to an extent of course but this is the first time where i'm up there the lights are super bright brighter than what i'm used to but after you pass that kind of moment of like, Ooh, and you get into the groove of it the flow yeah it becomes second nature and then watching the actors doing their thing because what happens is between certain scenes me and the band we're the neighborhood band we'll come out and we'll elaborate on that scene you just saw. So it's like you'll be so engaged in one scene. Like, for instance, like, no spoiler alerts, but there's a part where the mom kind of gets after Evangeline. And it's like all of us have been in that position with our mom when we come home late at night with somebody. And it's like, what are you doing? What, who is this person? Like, are you, you know, like, just straight up, like, oh, I'm in trouble. So there's, like, this intense scene. And then it cuts to us just, like, rocking into this song. Um, you know, like it just really grabs you. It, it's been a lot of fun to do this, you know, and I'm, I'm excited. I'm, I'm happy with the turnout that's been going out, you know, especially with this being my first time in theater, but 
we're just pushing all we can for these last four shows too. You know, like you definitely, you definitely don't want to miss it. That's right, sure. the last one's sunny. It's in Lincoln Heights, right? Yeah, yeah, which is convenient for me because the DMV is right across the, is right across the street. So I got my my California ID. So it worked <laughs> out for me that the plaza uh, was right there. I'm like, oh, cool! I could just set my appointment. <laughs> <laughs> Look, we're gonna play Rebirth, okay? Cool, man.
Why for yeah. Pedro show we heard Rebirth Nina Diaz Elegy and White National Debt that's Crane up now yeah Crane yeah and finally Dig from Nina Diaz you gotta dig right if you wanna find it you gotta dig it's been such happening having you on the show look if some young woman even younger than fourteen asked you about advice in this racket what would you tell them. To pay attention to their intuition, to pay attention to that feeling they get in their stomach when they or their throat, if it ever gets tight, what is it that you want to say? What is it that you feel like you're not being, you're not getting enough attention on? And always knowing when to ask for help, you know, not to feel like you have to have the whole world on your shoulders, because it's enough whenever you're that young, starting off in this business and realize you have a talent. Just trusting yourself, knowing that the universe, that God gave you this talent for something to use to help others, most of all. But you can't help others unless you help yourself first, you know, unless you're in good health. Good, good, good stuff. And if people want to find you on the internet? NinaDiazMusic.com. That's my website. N-I-N-A-D-I-A-Z dot C-O-M, people. Yeah. NinaDiazMusic, yeah. Music, I'm sorry. N I N. A D I A Z M U S I C D C O M. Sorry right. about that. Yes, you got it. <laughs> Brother Matt, thank you for your always essential aid in bed. Certainly. Nina, it really means a lot for you being on the show. It was last minute, but what a bitching thing you brought. Yeah, thank you so yeah, much. Very cool. Thank you. My okay. pleasure. Keep on keeping on. Thank you, man. You too. Okay. Thank you. Uh, people, April 11, 2019, Dishwap Pedro Show. Keep your powder dry.